from the Heidelberg Catechism. We read together, Lord's Day 47. What is the first petition? Hallowed be your name. That is, grant us first of all that we rightly know you and sanctify, glorify, and praise you in all your works, in which shine forth your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth. Grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, when God created man, he made man in his image. God created man as the crown of his creation. A man at a special place over against all the other animals. God crowned man with glory and honor. He made him but a little less than God. God gave man the ability to think and reason. He gave man a free will. And with all these privileges came responsibility. Man was to rule as king over God's creation. But above all, Man was to recognize God as the creator, to praise and to glorify him for all his mighty deeds. God created us so that we would praise him and magnify his name. With a fall into sin, we lost much of the image of God. We were no longer able to serve him in the way that he required. Instead of living to the praise and glory of God's holy name, we became slaves to sin. In Jesus Christ, God in his grace has provided an answer to the problem of sin. Through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, we're enabled once again to live according to God's commandments. Also, the third commandment, that we do not take the Lord's name in vain. The Spirit renews us more and more that out of thankfulness we may use the holy name of God with fear and reverence. He renews us that more and more we may glorify the name of God in all our words and works. In the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, Christ teaches us to pray, Hallowed be your name. To hallow means to make or consider something as holy. To hallow God's name means to set it apart from the ordinary and the common and to regard it as very special. So in this petition, we're asking God that he will help us to glorify and praise his name. The purpose of the first petition is to teach us to pray that we may revere God's awesome name, that we may praise him in all our words and works. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. In the first petition, Christ teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name. 
In this petition, we pray that we may rightly know God from his word, that we may praise God in all his works, and that we may honor God in our whole life. In the first petition, there's a word that's no longer all that common in our everyday speech, that word to hallow. To hallow means to sanctify, to make holy, to honor or to regard as holy. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we pray that God's name may be praised, that it may be magnified, that it is made great. In short, we're praying for the glorification of God's most holy name. We might ask, but why is that necessary? Isn't God already holy? Isn't God's name already great? Why do we need to pray for this? Well, the point, beloved, is not that there's anything lacking in God. He is majestic and glorious. He is holy. He is almighty. He is an awesome God. The reason we pray for the hallowing of God's name is not because of any lack in God. In fact, the opposite's the case. The problem lies with us. Mankind does not honor and esteem God for who he is and for all that he has done. We too often neglect to adore God and praise him. And so Christ teaches us to pray that we hold God's name high. that we may revere him, that we may give him the praise due to his most holy name. Beloved, if you think about our daily prayers, so easily they end up being a list of give me this and give me that. It's not that we do that intentionally, but we often fail to remember the basic purpose of our prayers. Prayer is the most important part of our thankfulness to God. Thankfulness and praise should thus be central to our prayers. But often our self-centeredness focuses us on our needs and our desires. And so the Lord, our gracious Heavenly Father, does not always receive the praise that's due to his most holy name. In the structure of the Lord's Prayer, the Lord Jesus teaches us a way to avoid this give me this and give me that perspective when we pray. When you examine the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer, you'll see that the first three are focused on God. They deal with God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. Only then does Christ teach us to pray for our needs for our daily bread, for the forgiveness of our sins, and for deliverance from the temptations of the evil one. Remembering this structure helps us to pray prayers focused in the first place on God and on his glory. So how do you do that? How do you express your thankfulness to God and give him praise and glory that's due to his holy name? Well, to do that, we need to know God what he has done, and what he is doing for us. That is why in explaining the first petition, our catechism says, grant us, first of all, that we may rightly know you. How can we know our God? 
Well, through his self-revelation, God has made himself known to his people over time. The prophets and the apostles wrote down the mighty works of God. They're recorded for us in God's word in the Bible. If you truly want to know God, you need to read and to study your Bible. Beloved, are you in the habit of beginning your day with Bible reading and prayer? Do you spend time around the dinner table reading the Bible and speaking together about what God has done for you and how that impacts your life? Do you do personal Bible study? Do you participate in communal Bible study? Do you regularly attend church and listen diligently to the preaching of the gospel? We will not come to truly know God and all his mighty deeds unless we spend time in his words. Bible reading also provides content for our prayers. It's easy for our prayers to become routine, so we end up saying prayers that are largely the same from one day to the next. At times when our prayers become routine, we tune out. Yet there's a blessing in reading from the Bible and then offering prayer to God. For after reading about God and his wondrous works, we have specific things before us for which to thank and praise his holy name. It's also a good practice for us to follow when we study the Bible together communally. This afternoon we read together from Psalm 150. It's one of the Halal Psalms. Halal is the Hebrew word for praise. In Hebrew, Psalm 150 begins with hallelujah. Literally means praise you, Yahweh. We translate praise the Lord. In Psalm 150, the word praise is used three times in verse 1 and twice in each of the remaining verses. It's a total of 13 times in six verses. In this psalm, the psalmist does what we're taught to do in the first petition, to give praise to the name of our God. So what does it mean to praise? To praise means to speak positively about someone, either to them or to someone else. Praise is not limited to God or to faith. We can and should praise those around us, especially when they've, prayed, when they've tried hard and done something well. Praise is not limited to music either. Obviously, we praise God in the psalms and hymns we sing. But we do the same in the positive words we speak about God to others and in the thankful words we address to him in prayer. Psalm 150 provides answers to four basic questions about praising God. It explains where, why, how, and who are to praise the holy name of God. We start with the question, where is God to be praised? The answer is given in verse 1. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. God's earthly sanctuary, the temple, was a model of his heavenly dwelling place. We are to praise God where he is, 
seated on the throne in the heavens above. We learned that already last week when we were taught to address God as our Father in heaven. The next question is, why is God to be praised? The answer is given in verse 2. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him for his excellent greatness. God's mighty deeds can be seen in the creation of this world and in his sustaining of life. It is the Lord God who grants rain and sun, who provides food and other necessities of life, who allows us to enjoy many blessings each day again. God's might can be seen especially in how he rescued Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He brought his people through the wilderness with Moses into the promised land under Joshua and gave them rest from their enemies under King David. If it was not for the Lord's mighty deeds, Israel would have perished. It would have disappeared into oblivion, a slave people in the land of Egypt. But God's mighty power, God's enormous greatness, God's sovereign control over all things, God's excellent greatness has done these mighty works of salvation for his people. And Israel's deliverance was only a foreshadowing of the mighty acts God would accomplish for us through Jesus Christ our Savior. That's why the psalmist calls us to praise God. We're to praise him for his mighty acts in creation, preservation, and the redemption of his people. The third question Psalm 150 deals with is, how are we to praise God? The answer is given in the verses 3 to 5. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with a lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. We're to praise God with music and song, with joy and passion, giving expression to the thankfulness that lives in our hearts. Beloved, do we do that? Yes, in our church services, we sing our praises to God. But how about in our homes? We've got our stereos, our phones, and our subscriptions to iTunes. Through them, we listen to music. Won't even talk about what kind of music. But how about making music? How about singing songs to the glory of God? You ever thought about joining the choir? Or gathering with fellow Christians when there's a praise and worship evening? Do you sing around the dinner table or around the fire? Do you ever get together around the organ or piano on a Sunday night? Psalm 33 encourages us saying, Shout for joy to the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. 
play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. In Colossians 3.16, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Psalm 150 answers one more question. Who should praise the Lord? The answer is given in verse 6. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everyone who still has breath in their body is called to do so. You see, beloved, God is the creator of all flesh. God has a claim on the life of every human being. He created us so that we might praise and glorify him. And so he expects all of mankind to do so. So we see, beloved, that it's God's word that gives content to our prayers. From it, we learn to praise God for who he is and for the mighty deeds that he has done. If you want some help in learning to pray effectively, I would encourage you to use some of the psalms as prayers to God. Many of the psalms are actually prayers. If we pray them, we plead with God on the basis of his promises. But even what we normally consider to be psalms of praise can be offered to God in prayer. And we offer to God praise and thanksgiving inspired by his Spirit. Brings us to our second point. And we'll see how we are to pray that we may praise God in all his works. Psalm 150 has already taught us to praise God for his acts of power, to praise him for his surpassing greatness. We've considered God's mighty acts in creation, in delivering his people from slavery in Egypt, and in giving them freedom and prosperity in the promised land. But what does this mean for us, living in the new covenant? Well, we know God in a much fuller, in a much richer way. All God's mighty deeds for his people Israel pale in significance when compared with the mightiest of God's deeds, the deed above all deeds that shows his excellent greatness. We see the mightiest of God's deeds in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he sent his only son into this world. Jesus Christ became man. He took on himself our flesh and blood. He came to pay for our sins. He has redeemed us by offering his body and blood on the cross. In rising to new life and ascending to the heavenly sanctuary, Christ presented his sacrifice to the Father that we might be accepted by him. Christ sat down at the Father's right hand and was given all power and authority in heaven and on earth. He poured out his spirit to regenerate his people from all nations. It's in Christ we see God's mightiest deeds revealed, his excellent greatness made known.
We read from Revelation 5 this afternoon. There we see God sitting on the throne of heaven with his plans for this world written on a scroll. The plans are waiting to be put into effect, and an angel asks, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. No one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. John goes on to describe what he saw in the heavenly court. He describes how he saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. That's a reference to Jesus Christ, who ascended into heaven after the completion of his work on earth. Jesus is described in John's gospel as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's described as slain because even after his resurrection, Jesus still bore the wounds of his suffering on his body. The Lamb went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. These representatives of God's people Israel in the Old Testament and from the church in the New Testament bow down in worship to praise and give glory to the Lamb for his redeeming work. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. It is because of the saving work of Jesus, his dying for the sins of the whole world, that all those in the heavenly court broke forth into a song of praise. They sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then all of creation breaks forth into full-voiced praise for the mighty deeds of God. John says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Psalm 150 finds its fulfillment in Revelation 5. Psalm 150 encouraged us to praise God for his mighty deeds, to praise him according to his excellent greatness. Well, that's what happens in Revelation 5. There all praise and glory is given by all those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Blessing and honor and glory and might are ascribed to him who sits on the throne. That's the Lord, our covenant God. And to the Lamb, that's Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and King. We praise God because we know of his Son's death for us. We praise him because we know that Jesus has opened the way for us into his heavenly sanctuary. 
We praise him for the life that he gives us now and forevermore. It brings us to our final point. And we'll see how in this petition we pray that we may honor God in our whole life. When we pray the first petition, we're not just praying that God will help us to glorify his name in our words of prayer. The scope of the first petition goes far beyond that. It doesn't just include the times when we fold our hands and close our eyes. It actually involves the whole of our lives. What the first petition teaches us is that we are to glorify God in our words and works. The aim and purpose of everything we do should be to praise and to glorify God's name. The attitude of our whole life should be one of devotion to God. That's ultimately the point of our existence. We were created to praise and glorify God's holy name. And so in the first petition, we're asking God for his grace and for his spirit to help us praise and glorify him with our whole life. We're asking God to give us help to glorify his name in our thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds. We pray that as God's renewed people, we may once again fulfill the task for which we were created. Please note that this prayer has a special intent. It's that God's name may receive praise from all people. God is the creator of all of humanity. He's a claim on the life of everyone in whom the breath of life dwells. In the first petition, we pray that God's name is not blasphemed on account of us, but instead that it's always honored and praised. Beloved, we should never forget that we bear the name of Christ. As Christians, we come under special scrutiny by those in society around us. They expect more from us than of others. For we're Christians. We're followers of Jesus Christ. People expect Christians not to lie or to cheat them in a business deal. They expect Christians to show forth love for their neighbor. Well, in the first petition, we ask God to help us to bring glory to his name by how we live our daily lives. Our words and deeds should not turn others away from Christ and his service. Instead, they should draw others to us, looking to see what we have that allows us to live joyful and content lives. Our goal is that our lives may serve as a testimony of God's grace in Christ, that others too may come to praise his name. In Philippians 2, Paul tells us that God has highly exalted his son and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The day is coming when all will be called to appear before Christ so that he can judge the living and the dead. On that day, every knee will bow. 
Every tongue will confess his name. Some with reverence and joy. Others with shame and dread. Maybe our prayer that our words and deeds may be such. That they bring others to confess his name. And not turn others away from him. Beloved, the first petition is a plea to God that we may bring honor and praise to his holy name. This is the purpose for which God created us. It's also for this purpose that he has redeemed us and that he renews us. The hallowing of God's name should be the focus of our lives. But to do so not just in words, but with our whole life. The goal of this petition is that many will acknowledge God, confess his great name, and praise and glorify him for all his mighty deeds. May God grant us his grace and spirit to help us in this beautiful but often difficult task. Amen.